I have called up in all my years of sorcery no god or devil, ominous and gibbous. And the thing was a streaming ooze of charnel The wormy corpses that he dug with his hands from unconsecrated graves. It is thoroughly known by few, there were people, but it's mostly priests and women, it is told, whom he picked up as they fled, and pulled limb from limb as a child might quarter an insect. The Double Shadow, Clark Ashton Smith Podcast. Hello, and welcome to The Double Shadow, a podcast exploring the weird fiction of 20th century writer Clark Ashton Smith. I'm Tim, and this is an interlude. So we've heard interludes from Phil and from Ruth, and so now it's my turn. So this is an interlude that I like to call the Fantasy Flame War. I'm sure everyone who listens to this podcast is aware of what a flame war is, because sometimes it seems as if the internet runs on arguments. However, for those of you who don't know what a flame war is, it's more or less a virulent dispute that breaks out on a message board or on a Facebook page or in the comments section of a website or blog, and it's usually pretty nasty. Obviously, arguing wasn't invented with the internet. It just made it easier. Back in the days of Clark Ashton Smith, Robert E. Howard, and H.P. Lovecraft, when you wanted to argue with someone, you had to write them a letter. If you wanted to do it in public, though, you wrote into the letters to the editor page of your favorite magazine, or to an amateur journal, or even a fanzine. In 1933, Charles D. Hornig published the first fanzine for weird fiction. He called it The Fantasy Fan, subtitled The Fan's Own Magazine. His efforts attracted writers who would later go on to become legends in the genre, H.P. Lovecraft, Robert E. Howard, and Clark Ashton Smith specifically. The Fan also received letters from Julius Schwartz, Forrest J. Ackerman, Mort Weisinger, and many others. They contributed fiction, letters, and opinions. Lovecraft even consented to having his supernatural horror and literature serialized within pages of the fantasy fan. A regular feature of the fan since its very inception was a column titled The Boiling Point, which was a place where fans could write in to vent their spleen or to start a discussion about something that bothered them, to correspond with other fans, or to argue. And argue they did. The very first letter the fan printed for The Boiling Point was by Forrest J. Ackerman, who passed away in 2008 and was noted for his large and comprehensive collection of science fiction memorabilia. The title of the letter was A Quarrel with Clark Ashton Smith, where Ackerman disputes the merits of Smith's work of science fiction. This caused quite the controversy, and we here at The Double Shadow are happy to present this discussion to you. So here we have, straight from the past, read directly from the pages of the fantasy fan, A Quarrel with Clark Ashton Smith. We begin with Forrest Ackerman's letter, printed in the first issue of the fantasy fan in September 1933. Ackerman says, I have this to say. It seems to me that Wonder Stories is going far afield when it takes such a horror story as Mr. Smith's Dweller in Martian Depth. And because it is laid on the Red Planet, printed in a magazine of scientific fiction. Frankly, I could not find one redeeming feature about the story. Of course, everything doesn't have to have a moral. The thrilling scientific film, King Kong, for instance, has no moral to it, except 
perhaps, to be careful of Fay Ray if you are a great prehistoric ape. But it has a point, at least, to interest. And Dweller in Martian Depths didn't interest me. I don't know, maybe it did others, but it disappointed me very greatly to find it in an STF publication. In Weird Tales, all right, I don't like that type of story. I wouldn't read it there. I failed to find anything worthwhile in an endless procession of ethereal lights, fantastic visions, ultra-mundane life, exotic paradises, airy vegetation, whispering flutes, ghastly plants, and dirge-like horrors. May the ink dry up in the pen from which they flow. Or at least, Mr. Smith, direct those tales elsewhere, not to an STF publication. Because I do like your science fiction, like Master of the Asteroid and Flight into Supertime. The next letter is from Clark Ashton Smith himself. And it's only fair that Mr. Smith should have the first blow against Mr. Ackerman's argument in defense of his own stories. He actually gives his letter a title. He calls it Horror, Fantasy, and Science. And it appeared in the October 1933 issue. Mr. Ackerman's fervent and ebullient denunciation of my stories, followed by Editor Hornig's invitation to join the melee, is not to be resisted. I infer that Forrest J. Ackerman considers horror, weirdness, and unearthliness beyond the bounds of science or science fiction, since horror and weirdness are integral elements of life, as is well known to those who have delved beneath the surface, and since, in all likelihood, the major portion of the universe is quite unearthly. I fail to understand the process of logic or syllogism by which he has arrived at this truly amazing prescription. Let me recommend to Mr. Ackerman and to others like him a more scientifically open and receptive attitude of imagination. If Mr. Ackerman were transported to some alien world, I feel he would find the reality far more incredible, bizarre, grotesque, fantastic, horrific, and implausible than any of my stories. In regard to The Light from Beyond, I cannot see that this tale is any more fantastic and unreal than others dealing with unknown dimensions of planes or hyperspace. Physical entry into such planes is improbable, but form an alluring theme of fictional speculations. It is curious that Mr. Ackerman should profess to like Flight into Supertime, a story which is wilder, if anything, than the ones he has denounced. I might also add that it was written as a satire on time traveling, and should not have been read too seriously. Of course, it is Forrest Ackerman's privilege to dislike my stories, and to express his dislike whenever he chooses. I have merely tried to point out that he is in error when he condemns them as being inherently unsuitable for a scientific fiction magazine. In that same issue, H.P. Lovecraft waded into the fight, saying, As for Ackerman's ebulliation, I fear he can hardly be taken seriously in matters involving the criticism of imaginative fiction. Smith's story was really splendid, except for the cheap ending on which the editor of Wonder Stories insisted. Ackerman once wrote me a letter with a very childish attack on my work. He evidently enjoys verbal pyrotechnics for their own sake and seems so callous to imaginative impressions. August Derleth pipes up, ironically, to say that he liked everything in the first issue of The Fantasy Fan, except for the letter from Ackerman. He continues saying that Ackerman, quote, While usually quite interesting, nevertheless has the unpleasant habit of trying to make everything over into his own image. 
Touche, August. We're not done yet. And it's reading like a veritable who's who of weird fiction at this point, especially when R.H. Barlow lends his voice to the fight in that same October 1933 issue. To my mind, you are deplorably lacking in imagination to so condemn some of the finest work of the greatest living fantasy writer. Must you be so literal, physical in your interpretation of imaginative literature? Clark Ashton Smith, whom I have the honor of knowing, is primarily and foremost a poet, his work having received the highest commendation of such persons as Edwin Markham, George Sterling, etc., Truly, his colorfully nightmarish visions are far superior to the conventional type of, forgive me, trash, printed in the average mercenary science fiction magazine. The mere fact that a few helpless ray projectors, heroines consisting mainly of lipstick and legs, and a dastardly villain are not dragged in by the nape of their respective necks certainly does nothing to impair the excellence of his dulcet prose. In November 1933... H.P. Lovecraft writes in to praise the fantasy fan and to continue the argument. Glad to see that a number of readers are showing up Ackerman. People like Ackerman are ridiculous. One can plainly see that this type of thing is merely egoistic and a gesture to call attention to themselves. However, most people outgrow this stage. Interested parties then had to wait until December 1933 to continue the debate. Alan Glasser, who was published by Weird Tales in the early 30s, sounds off, on Ackerman's side, no less. I'm surprised at the vicious remarks being made about Forrest Ackerman. He really doesn't deserve any such abuse. Perhaps his writings are a bit flamboyant and overenthusiastic, but surely that's no great fault. To those who know him well, Forrest is a fine fellow, and his zeal for science fiction merits praise rather than censure. The next letter printed was written by one Donald Alexander. I did a quick Google search. Nothing came up. I don't know if he was a writer or just a fan. Anyway, he writes, It seems to me that young Forrest J. Ackerman is, is by far the most sensible of the lot. Instead of intelligently answering his arguments, Mr. Smith, Lovecraft, Barlow, etc. have made fools of themselves ascending to personalities. I agree with him. The Light from Beyond and several other Smith yarns had no place in Wonder Stories. Smith's story under discussion isn't science fiction, so it had no place in such a magazine. I see no reason why Lovecraft should condemn Ackerman for not liking Smith. After all, we each have our own tastes. Smith, in my own opinion, is a poor writer. His stories are all like the ravings of some fearfully diseased mind. Alexander then goes on to say that Lovecraft is a good writer and to basically call the readers of the fantasy fan idiots. Finally, in the same December 1933 issue, we hear a rebuttal from Ackerman. He says, Pardon me, but why did you run the boiling point in a foreign language? What a vocabulary on those weird men, Smith and Lovecraft. I think I'll have to change my tag from Forrest J. Ackerman, scientificationalist, to Forrest J. Ackerman, abolitionist. The two got the word in within the first line of comments. Now Mr. Smith will be calling Mr. Lovecraft plagiarist, and then maybe Mr. Smith will burst in and say that he owns the original. Ackerman then mentions that he owns an illustration from Smith's The City of the Singing Flame, and that it's one of his favorites. Then it isn't until January 1934 that we pick up the debate, with Ackerman, who seems to have soured a bit in the interim. 
Since the pros and cons of my Boiling Point article have changed around to discussions of character, I wish to state that I do not like H.P. Lovecraft's attitude. I was interested in his closing sentence in the second issue, but I resent Mr. Lovecraft's further uncalled-for remarks. If I am not qualified to judge any weird tales, he is not qualified to call names. It seems to me of late that his palsy-walsy Clark Ashton Smith has been turning out an overabundant amount of literature, but goodness, I don't think the man egotistic and drawing attention to himself. The man likes to write, and so do I. Yet Mr. Lovecraft says of me, ridiculous, because I make absurd comments to focus people's eyes on me, and write voluminously for the same reasons. Ackerman continues, revealing that Charles Hornig, the editor of The Fantasy Fan, offered to dedicate an entire issue to Ackerman, and Ackerman turned it down. Furthermore, Mr. Lovecraft, you seem to have forgotten something. I keep my letters from famous writers. You say I once wrote you a very childish attack on your work, but your answer to that letter was, quote, I was very pleased to get your bright and candid letter this morning. That is a different story. Apparently, weary from this battle, Ackerman concedes that weird tales allow science fiction stories, so why shouldn't wonder stories print weird fiction? The argument is settled, he writes. But it's not over yet, because directly after Ackerman's letter, Hornig printed another of Lovecraft's. It reads, Glad you are giving the vociferous master Ackerman a hearing. It's always well to let both sides of a debate have an equal chance but I fear that F.J. the Terrible and his allies don't make out a very strong case. The tirade to which the exception was taken was not merely an assertion that Smith's Dweller in Martian Depths is unsuited for a science fiction magazine. It was a wholly gratuitous and intemperate attack on the story itself, written with slapdash extravagance and obviously sadistic gusto which plainly showed either a complete lack of analytical understanding and imaginative sensitiveness, or as it was probably, a mere boyish desire to show off and attract notice. However, Ackerman is young, and proved by his tendency to regard ordinary civilized language as alien and incomprehensible. Now that he's had a good barrage from the general public, it would be just as well to leave him in peace. Five years from now, he'll go beyond any of us laughing at his explosions of today. Ouch. The debate, whether fortunate or not, comes to an end in the February 1934 issue, with all of the writers and readers all taking parting shots at one another. I'll read Smith's last letter on the matter, which, interestingly enough, doesn't take issue with Ackerman, but with Donald Alexander. He writes, Donald Alexander's letter caused me to reread carefully my own answer to Forrest Ackerman's epistolary critique. Since my one concern was to meet Ackerman's arguments on their own ground, I'm puzzled by the assertion of Mr. Alexander that, that I had made a fool of myself by descending to personalities. Offhand, I should have said that my letter was about as free of that sort of thing as I could conceivably have been. Perhaps there were a few mildly ironic touches, but certainly nothing of an insidious nature was implied or even intended. I do not think that any good purpose is ever served by abuse of personalities. If my letter was derogatively personal, I really wonder how Mr. Alexander should be classified. At the end of this Boiling Point column, editor Hornig does indeed confirm that it will be the last. He says, quote, The fantasy fan is attempting to bind the lovers of science and weird fiction together with friendship. 
and not separate them through dislike of each other's ideas. He then announces that the boiling point will henceforth become a section entitled Your Views and will contain no debates, only opinions. So I got all of this from a facsimile format collected volume of the Fantasy Fan that I found on eBay maybe a year ago. It collects the entire run of the fanzine from September 1933 to February 1935. I don't know if it's still available, but if it is, uh, I can't recommend it more for any fan of Lovecraft or Smith or just the weird men and women of that time period. I did abridge the letter slightly, uh, just in an attempt to keep it on topic. I also wanted to mention that we'll be taking a bit of a break through the rest of August, a short hiatus as we clear our summer plates and decide what to do next. Hyperborea is almost over, and we decided that we'd most likely end the podcast with Zathik. But there's also a lot of non-setting Clark Ashton Smith stories that we'd like to cover, so we wanted to get together and talk about it. Phil, Ruth, and I will also be attending Necronomicon in Providence, Rhode Island at the end of this month. Not in any official capacity, but while we're all together, we're going to decide on... Uh, what our next move is going to be as a podcast. Um, and also, while we're there, uh, and if we have the opportunity, I'd like to grab some audio from the convention and post it here so that you guys can hear what a Lovecraft convention sounds like. I've never been to a convention that specific. Comic conventions and gaming conventions, sure, but... I'm currently working on the next episode, The Coming of the White Worm. Uh, it's a great episode. Uh, Mike Bukowski was our guest, and I hope to have it posted towards the middle of this month. So that was the fantasy flame war, and it goes to show you that people will always and have always argued over the smallest little patches of land. So... Okay, hope you enjoyed. Thanks for listening, and good night.